Well, good evening. You made it, huh? Made it out in the snow. God loves to decorate his, his, his uh, world, huh? He likes decorating and making things beautiful. And I really think that, you know, the snow is God's way of preparing. Well, it's amazing, but I remember a lot of the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, it seems like we get snow. And I think it's God's way of kind of clothing, you know, just like all of humanity is God's bride, you know. And we know brides wear a white dress, right? So God's dressing the earth as his bride. And so our Blessed Virgin Mother, Mary, on this great day, I love today because it's our, our, our Mother is so beautiful and, and, and our Lord gives us such an amazing... As soon as I find the readings... He gives us such a beautiful, beautiful gift in the Blessed Virgin Mary. As we know, the Immaculate Conception is our celebration as a church of God preparing us to receive communion with Him. Okay? The Immaculate Conception... Sometimes Catholics get confused with the Incarnation, okay? The Incarnation is the celebration of, of Christmas, right? Or, or not of Christmas, but when, when the angel Gabriel came to Mary and asked her to be the mother of God, like we just read, right? And, and, and she said, yes, that's the Incarnation. That's when the Holy Spirit brought Jesus to dwell in the womb of Our Lady. He was conceived on March 25th, according to the church calendar, so that's when we celebrate the Incarnation. Then nine months later, December 25th, is Christmas, where he's actually born into this world. But the Immaculate Conception is the Church's celebration in acknowledgement of the singular grace and privilege that the Blessed Virgin Mary received, which says in the year 1854, the Church defined this doctrine and said that our Blessed Mother was conceived without sin, meaning in the womb of her mother, which is Anne, Anne, St. Anne, and Mary's dad was St. Joachim, but in the womb of Anne, when Mary was conceived, she was conceived without sin. Because God was beginning to transition from the Old Testament to the New the Old Testament was about the law, and the New Testament's about grace. We're given the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament, right? And the purpose of God's law is to help us realize, one, that He cares about us. When somebody gives you laws and rules, at least most of the time, it's because they're putting up guidelines. It's, it's kind of like God looks down upon the earth and He sees all of His children running all over the place and getting hurt. And so he says, we need to put a fence up around the property so no one gets hit by a car anymore or no one gets bit by a dog. So God, like a loving parent, puts up a perimeter, a fence, a a boundary, so that we could be free to play and to love and to be without being hurt or wounded. So that's the Old Testament. Now, the problem is, is kids can climb fences, right? (laughs) So we don't always stay in the parameter, right? 
we like to always push the envelope or try to see how far we can go or or we start to question God, why wouldn't God let us outside the fence? I mean, maybe there's something out there that's more fun, you know? So the kids often take uh, the freedom and the privilege of climbing the fence and wandering off and often getting hurt. So that's the Old Testament. Then you have the New Testament. As I said, the Old's about the law, the New's about grace. Grace is what enables us to realize and live the law. But see, the law is freedom. The law is freedom. If we live the Ten Commandments perfectly, we'll be very happy, very healthy, very, very free. We'll be free. We'll be free to love. That's the purpose of freedom. The purpose of our freedom is, is to love. Freedom is for something. It's not, you know, we're not getting free from. It's more for freedom is for the purpose of loving. So, in the Old Testament, God gives us parameters, one to tell us He cares about us. The only, you'll read in the scriptures sometimes where it'll say, our God has given us laws like no other God. Because in the Old Testament, a lot of the pagan cultures, their God never gave them a law or a rule to follow because one, it don't exist, right? So, our God, the God of Israel, has stepped into time through Moses, through the prophets, to give us rules, saying, hey, I care about y'all. Now the problem is, is one, he cares about us. Two, we don't have the power to live the law. Nobody in here, on their own power and strength, can live the Ten Commandments. You just can't. You can't will. Just Your will's not enough. Our will is not enough to live obediently to God's rule and law. It's not enough. Which means, if I'm not living according to God's law, I can't live fully alive and fully happy. I will be less than I'm capable of. And when we break the law and transgress the law, we call that sin. So sin isn't so much what I do, it's, it's more what I don't do. Sin is what keeps me from being the person God made me to be. Okay? The person God made me to be. Now, in the New Testament, grace, grace is the jet fuel, the power, the source. You know, it's like the gas in a car. Without gas, the car engine is, is, is worthless, right? Don't, make, don't do anything. But if you pump some gas in and fire the engine, right, that thing goes somewhere. Same with us. We need grace to live the law. And if we live the law, we will be fully alive. And we'll begin to taste on earth a little bit of heaven. So the Blessed Virgin Mary today, we celebrate in the church, was conceived without sin. Because she was the one who, she's the hinge pin. She's the hinge that ushers in the new law of grace. And grace is another word for my relationship with God. Grace is our relationship and intimacy with God, okay? So as Our Lady is conceived without sin, God's preparing something special here. I always say, if you were God, how would you create your mother? I asked the kids that this morning, (laughs) so I got some neat answers. If you were God, how would you create your mother? 
I would make her the most beautiful, most perfect, most amazing woman ever. Well, guess what? He did. He's fully capable of that, and he did it. And why did he do it? Because he was thinking about you and I, and he wanted to get closer to us. And he wanted ultimately to enter into communion with us. And in communing with God, what happens? I become myself. I start to live as God made me. I'm fully alive. I live my potential. You know, some of us in here, maybe at 75%, maybe some are at 10, maybe some are at 15, maybe some are at 45% of their potential. God wants 100%. But for that 100% to happen, for you and I to live God's law, to be fully alive, we have this negative idea of law. God's law is a blessing, not a curse. It's not keeping me from being free. It's actually empowering me to be free. You know, it's kind of like, you know, if you, if, if, if you open up your glove box and you pull out the instructions manual to your car or you get a manual that teaches you how to run a computer, you know, the purpose of the manual is to help you use it the right way. Well, our owner's manual is God's Word, the Scripture. And God saw that giving us an owner's manual doesn't work because some of us can't follow it well and some of us can't read even. So what's he do? He enfleshes the owner's manual. God's word becomes flesh. But for that to happen, he had to prepare this woman so that he could come into our presence and commune with us. And in communing with God, we experience that grace, that grace which is what allows us to be fully alive. Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. He doesn't want 50%. How many of you here want to live 50% of your potential? I don't. I want 100%. And I'm willing to fight for it, and I hope we all are. We want 100%. Well, guess what? The only way to live 100% of your potential is to commune with your God in the person of Jesus Christ. That's going to empower you to be yourself. And so today we celebrate Mary, who literally communed with God, and was the first person to personally accept Jesus Christ into her life, quite literally. Sometimes we hear our brothers and sisters in the Protestant church, have you accepted Christ personally as your Lord and Savior? Well, the first person to do that, literally, was the Blessed Virgin Mary. Literally. She personally accepted Christ into her life. She conceived Christ in her heart, so much so that she literally enfleshed Him in her body. You and I are called to be the same. Here at Mass, you just heard the word. Accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, personally, in your hearts, each one of you. And you too, Father Michael. We all receive Him personally in our hearts. And then, and then, we will make Him flesh with our lives. Oh, and flesh God's law of love. Okay? And then the world looks at you and they don't see you anymore. What St. Paul says, it's no longer I who live, it's Christ who lives in me. So, as we celebrate this beautiful gift of our mother in the order of grace, she's not our mother by nature. She's our mother in grace. Grace comes through Christ. Well, she bore Christ, who is the giver of all grace. 
So when you and I receive grace, we're receiving it through Christ. And in communing with Christ, we have a mother, because we're the body of Christ. Our mother is the mother of Christ in a spiritual order. So let us ask our Lord to more deeply each of us receive him personally into our hearts so that we can flesh him in our bodies, thoughts, words, and deeds, go out into the world and spread that light and love by being ourselves.